podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Pit Stop Fracker. I am your host, Mahad. And we are here to review another wonderful race at Monaco. Um, bit of a sleeper, but we're here to excite, give some exciting talk. And always the qualifying was exciting as well. I'm, point, I'm joined by Anik and Richard. Uh, Anik, how are we doing? You're in a hot seat now. I'm in a hot seat, bro. I'm in a hot seat. I'm ready. I'm ready. How are you doing? You're ready. Your, your boy wasn't ready for the race, though. But I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard, how are we doing? I'm not too bad, but I'm not too bad. Um, it's quite a funny weekend, us two um, joining forces, and usually we're against each other, aren't we? I was going to dunk you on, um, you know, Flasco winning the league this, this Saturday, but I thought, do you know what? Let me let me, let me allow it in, because we're joining up on Max, and we're trying to dunk on Le- Leclerc. So I say I'm on a gas casino where I use. thought, do you know what? I'll pay my respects. I, I, won't, I won't dunk on you with the Barcelona crew talk. So, yeah, other than that, I'm not too bad, bro. I'm not too bad. You're wearing an Atletico jacket, though. Yeah, come on, Edison, you get me? Yeah, yeah. That, that's violation. That's violation. <laughs> to the listeners, this guy is... I have to sit here now for 50 minutes or whatever with Atletico in my face, and I'm a Barcelona fan if you didn't know. Um, so, yeah, he's on my side, but he's not really on my side. Um, firstly, before we get started, let me just plug all the socials. Follow us at pitstopfracker. We've got you all covered. All the F1 news that you need. Banter, the lot. We've got it, so follow it. And uh, for the YouTube, really help us out if you like and subscribe to this video. Um, leave your comments. We love to hear your comments. We love to hear your thoughts about the race and everything that ha- happened on this weekend. So please give that uh, a review. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a five-star review. That helps us. That helps us with all the algorithms and stuff like that. So be really, really useful and helpful if you did that. But yeah, thank you. And we'll get started firstly with... The best part of Monaco, because the race never ever does anything usually, is qualifying. And firstly, qualifying was exciting as usual. A lot of people were putting their hopes on Ferrari because they were so, so fast in free practice. And I don't know where that pace came from. Um, might because they admitted oh, we're doing flexi wings as well, like Red Bull, and they got the speed. And um, we saw what they were about. But Anik, well, how how is Ferrari this fast out of nowhere? What's going on? Oh, I, I have no idea. They just started lighting it up on Thursday. And I was like, what's going on here? I think science was putting in quick laps. So was Leclerc. I was I was really, honestly, I was watching it and I was thinking, there's no way that, that this team is sandbagging. Like, you can't, you can't sandbag or you can't sort of cover up your true pace at Monaco because... If the other, sorry, for the other teams to be covering up their pace, so like the Mercs and Red Bulls, they can't be covering up their pace at Monaco because you literally have no room to put in that extra power or that extra speed that you have. So to me, it seemed genuine um, from Ferrari. And then, you know, seeing it on Thursday, I was, I was really surprised, but I was, it was quite refreshing to see that, look, there's another team now, um, especially for this weekend, that's going to be, you know, battling what on paper was Mercedes and Red Bull for the win. Um, yeah, it was it, it was quite refreshing to see, to be honest. 
yeah, for, for a very, very long time, it's just been like a two-horse race, whether it be Mercedes and Red Bull or Mercedes and Ferrari from before, back in 2019. Um, it's good to see a third team in the mix. Um, I would hope it was McLaren, but it's Ferrari this weekend. So it's always good to... Who says Ferrari... Uh, who said uh, Formula One is just a one-team race? We've mixed it up this week. We had how many different teams um, in qualif- Q- Q3? Seven week, different teams. Seven different teams. Seven different teams. So, yes, it's hotting up. The even playing field's happening. Um, Mercedes, not a good weekend overall. If, if you are listening to this and you saw the papers, you saw the results, it's not good. Um, but in qualifying, Bottas managed to get it on Q3. Uh, get it on P3. But Hamilton, reigning world champion, Seven-time world champion just seemed completely off the pace. Richard, what happened to Hamilton this weekend? Um, yeah, when I watched practice on um, Thursday and whatnot, I I didn't really have the impression that the mix was sandbagging. Um, it looked like something was completely off, especially when you see like you know Hamilton was like a good five, six, maybe even seven times off the lead. I just thought no, there's, there's no way that like you know they're trying to hide something. So when it came to quality, and I was still seeing the same thing, and even Bottas, even out doing Hamilton, I just knew it was, it was more or less like a confidence issue, or maybe the setup of the car wasn't right for Lewis. You know, he, he just wasn't on it, and I didn't think it would turn out to be, you know, a good weekend for them. You know, but the Ferraris, the, yeah, the Ferraris were on it. Like, fair, fair play to them, you know. Look at their concerns were going back to back. Like, it was, you know. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but they, they were looking good. But the mix, yeah, they were they were looking like the third, sometimes even fourth best team in the grid. People were hoping, you know, he might do like a single ball 2018 where he'd be absolutely nowhere for like the whole of practice and then Q1, Q2, then put out, pull out the back Q3. But I just didn't get that impression at all. I just thought, you know, it's just going to be one of those weekends. Like, to be fair, Lewis has never really been that strong at Monaco anyway. Like it's just been one of those things. Even like his his last two wins there, you could even say, you know, just some bit of fortunateness of him getting them. But, you know, it's just yeah, Bot Bottas, you know, you know, rose up quite a fair bit to be fair. He managed to qualify Q three. I mean sorry, P three, sorry. Um and yeah, he just managed to get extract more confidence within the car rather than Lewis did. I did I did re- come across um, an article title saying that the the makes let down um Mercedes had done Lewis this weekend in terms of the setup with the car. I don't think he wanted to try something different. And then Lewis was kind of going against it. And then he was just like, oh, okay, I'll just rock with it. And then it's almost like I told you so moment. So, yeah, the mate, it was just a horrible weekend for the mix, really. So hopefully, you know, it's going to be one to forget. Yeah, definitely one to forget for Hamilton. Um, usually very, very, very strong qualifying, no matter what the race is. But yeah, um, Monaco doesn't seem to agree with him. And if it was, I did hear there was rumours as well that there was a disagreement on strategy on how to approach Monaco um, with Lewis and Mercedes. And you can hear there's a bit of tension growing between the two. But um, yeah, it just didn't really work out for Hamilton this weekend. But he still managed to get into Q3. A lot of um, your old favourites were in Q3, like Vettel and so on. The little... little uh, Remontada from him that we'll speak about later but we'll talk about the Q3 and what went down in Monaco between Max and Charles and these guys were going back to back on each other in terms of speed these guys were putting in purple sectors every five seconds on that lap and they were pushing it to the limit 
Anik, what, what did you think of between the battle between Max and Charles? And even Sands getting involved in Q3. Oh, I was loving it, bro, to be honest with you. I think right from Q1, when Alonso got dumped out, I was like, yes, it's going to be an exciting rest of qualifying here. Um, but yeah, it, I just think, like, I just want to touch quickly on Hamilton as well. I just, I just didn't see him lighting it up in Q3 and Q2 either. But then I, I genuinely thought it was going to be a Singapore 2018 for me. Just literally just pull it out of the bag. Obviously, it didn't materialise that way. But um, yeah, coming back to Charles and Max, I, I think these two were literally just going hell for leather in Q1, Q2, Q3. And as you said, it was purple, purple, purple. Obviously, Leclerc was very shrewd, I'm going to say, in getting in that banker first lap in Q3. I think it was, what, 1.10, which was, for me, I, I consider that a very good lap because I don't think anyone's ever got into the 109s in qualifying. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think anyone's ever done that at, at this track. So I think it was like a one ten three. So I was like, okay, that's a good, very, very good lap. I know that is, you know, potential pole. Um, but then I think on Verstappen's first run, he didn't, he wasn't able to hook it up, right? I think he locked up. I think that's what Martin Bundle said. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he said he locked yeah, he up. Locks up. Yeah, and then he got a one ten five ish. Yeah, yes, something like that. Um, but then when I saw Science put it on, th put put it P three in in the first round, I was like, okay, yeah, like the Ferraris are really really quick here, and there's a genuine chance that on the second run, Science will be able to challenge for the front row, and Max might be in a bit of trouble here. Obviously, Bottas ended up P3, which I thought was, was was quite a good lap from him, to be honest with you. Um, and then, obviously, you know, there's some question marks about the the second run. Um, obviously, with with Leclerc crashing out, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you know, there's a bit of like a different schools of thought on this about Q3 and how you approach it, whether you put in your best lap on the first round or put it on the second round when you've got less fuel and so on. Um, people that were criticising uh, Verstappen saying, oh, you should have done it. Oh, look, we've got Kunle. He's entered the studio. Welcome, Kunle. Oh, we'll leave it for a second. Let him, let him log on. Oh, hello, hello. Uh, so, yeah, if we're talking about how you approach Q3 and what you should be doing, should you go for whatever first or just leave it to leave it for your last, last run? I think a lot of the people that were there, Carlos Sainz, Valtteri Bottas, Verstappen were maybe holding back a little bit to put it onto their, put their best, best performance on that last lap. But like you just alluded to, there was an incident, controversial incident, flashes of um, Michael Schumacher 2006, um, where um, Charles Leclerc crashed it into the wall on turn 16. Um, it's quite hilarious when you hear all the radios from all the teams when that happened. Um, especially from um, Carlos Sainz, Bottas and Verstappen when that happened, when they were building up to do their lap or actually on their fast lap. And I want to kind of come to you, Richard, on this one. I know this is going to be a little bit of a debate. Do you think Charles Leclerc did that on purpose? Was that a Ferrari plan C, plan C in his ear? Plan crash? Um, to myself, I've got a strong um, agenda against that, you know, Casino Royale use, as we like to call them. Well, some of us do. Um, but I think it's too risky for you to crash, just lock off the session in Q3 and risk, you know, a gearbox change and end up P6. 
to be fair. Um, I think it's just, you know, he was pushing too hard. He's managed to turn in almost too early. You know, he's clipped the barrier and then he's went crushed in into the other barrier. And then, you know, he's conveniently locked off the session. That's that's what I think it basically is. You know, um, you know, as I said, like it'll be it'll be way too risky, you know, to try and do that on purpose, you know, to risk, you know, having a five uh, five place good penalty. But you know, the funny thing was with Ferrari as well, because I think him um, the TF had a similar sort of crash in I think practice. And we I couldn't find any out any news if Latifi had to do a gear um gearbox change. I don't I don't think he had to, but the thing no, is as well so. is that Yeah, the thing is as well is that for I uh, I read up that I mean I, I seen something that one of the one of the problems was uh, I think uh, was it the, was it called uh, not the gear shaft or what is it the, the crankshaft sorry yeah the left, was yeah the, wasn't it a drive yes shaft? Yeah. yeah that's a drive so yeah the drive shaft um, on the left hand side was basically a bit dodgy and they did not check that yesterday so they just thought nothing of it. That's why when he did his uh, more warm-up lap today, that's when Charles noticed there was a problem because Ferrari didn't even check that um, left drive shaft, hence why he had to go out. So it's a lot of, you know, incompetence. It's, you know, it's just... I mean, yeah, Charles did crash out on his own accord, but the thing with Ferrari is that, okay, if your driver makes a mistake, you're meant to, like, you know, help him out. You're meant to back him. So you trying to go, you know, all or not on, basically being like, oh... You know, I think you know the ge- the gearbox is fine. Um, we're still going to be on pole. We're going to be fine, rather than to check the rest of the car to see if there's another issue. You've then not only fucked him up on pole. The guy can't even race at home. He's he's there in his motor home, you know, on Netflix or you know whatever, or watching a race. You know, like depressed. Like the guy is already the last four um, times he's been to Monaco, he's DNF'd. Like that's even including an F two. And you know, this is probably the worst thing of the war. He hasn't even had much to start the race just because Ferrari would felt you know too arrogant to really check how damaged the car really was. So, as much as I want to put it all on Shaw, I think Ferrari should throw equal blame as to what necessarily happened to- today, really. So, I think on that, I just, I just want to come back to like the incident itself. Okay, so as I said, it was, it was a 10 1 10 3. I'm looking at. And I think that was a decent banker lap. Now, at that point where he crashes, he's crashing towards the end of the lap, as you said, turn 16. Look, I don't want to start no conspiracies here or nothing, but he, I'm sure, would have got information that the other guys that were behind him were on hot laps. And you can tell that from the ra- from the radio reactions that we got. They were obviously pissed off. Like, Bottas was pissed off. Science was pissed off. Verstappen, like, you know, his head went through the roof. I'm not saying that he crashed on purpose. And these guys are driving, you know, come on. This circuit is literally like the ultimate driving test. Like, you can't have, you know, five to ten centimetres margin of error. But if you look at the way he turned in, like, he did turn in a bit early into that corner. I'm not saying that it was deliberate. Maybe he was pushing too hard. I think you just got to kind of consider the situation you're in at the moment. I'm, I'm sure he must have known that the other guys were on purple, purple. I don't know if at that point he was on setting his best time. All I know is he crashed out. But I feel as though he did turn in a bit too early into that corner. Um, and yeah, look, whether he meant it or not, 
I don't I don't want to say, but I feel as though like I feel as though he would have known how fast the other guys were. And yeah, to be honest, I'm just gonna sit on the fence. I mean, I don't I don't know if it was purposeful or not. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna say that I'm gonna stick my neck out and say that he done it on purpose. Only because, well, only, because only because only because he must have known that those guys were on quick laps. And you can tell from their reaction as well. That's, that's that lap, lap he was on. I'll say this. The lap he was on was not faster than the lap he already did. Exactly. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm not... I don't so, I don't want to sound like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, he 100% done it on purpose. But he would have got that information. And look at, look at how early he turns in. Like, okay, it's a risk, man. It's a risk. It's a huge risk. I know it's a huge risk, but obviously when you turn in on that corner, you jump over the curb and you go sh- straight into the to the armco. That has happened. Um, and, and, and as Richard said, his team didn't cover them, themselves in glory because it seemed like whether it was intentional or not, it was a masterstroke because he was starting from the front. But look, man. He gave his team a drop me. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, to be fair, I feel like um, even with the, the draft shaft, even if there wasn't a problem, I felt like that gearbox was definitely sorting up with it and they were trying to mask it. I just had a feeling it would be the case of like, you could only go as high as up to four for something and he'd have to just like chill there and somehow hold up max sort of thing. So I, def- I definitely think there was another problem. Ferrari just didn't want to, because he knew if he dropped him back, like, the likelihood of him getting a podium, at least, would have been difficult. They'd have to try some sort of like undercut, and you know, Ferrari sometimes a pretty shit on strategy. So I think they were just going to be like, oh, if you can, you know, if you have to skip gears or whatever, you know, what one of the problems would have been apart from changing it, just do that. But you know, it's just, yeah, it's just Ferrari just being incompetent, you know, as as they like to be sometimes, and just trying to go you know, all or not on, and look, this just resulted in not on. I mean, science did get, you know, a P2, but that was at the result of, you know, Leclerc not starting, and Mercedes pit crew being shite as usual, so, yeah, it's kind of mixed yeah. bag, really. Uh, this is the history of the Ferrari, man. We've seen this a lot of times with their mechanics being lax with checks and so on, especially um, I think um, back in Vettel season in 2017, 2016, just, just. I think one was about spark plugs. I think, I think wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to touch on that. Like, so obviously, the yeah, back end on. of twenty seventeen, they, you know, the 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 Ferraris have a history of not helping their drivers, especially on the run up to the grid. In Malaysia twenty seventeen, I remember Raikkonen had a problem um, getting to the grid. I think he qualified P two, and then he had to start from the pit lane. Vettel in that same race weekend had to start from the back of the grid, and the very next race in Japan. And they had a spark plug issue. They didn't check the spark plug for Vettel. And this guy was lacking so much speed at such a high power circuit like Japan. They're, they're, they're two examples that just roll off, uh, you know, just off the top of my head where they've had issues getting to the grid. Like, come on, man. It's like a simple MOT, man. Check your car before you get to the grid. Make sure everything's working fine. Like, I would have expected a bit more from Ferrari. When you, when, when you consider the, the close shave they had with the gearbox, they were in a fine, fine position, you know, to go on and win the race, as, as, as we saw what, what, what Max done. When, when you're at the head of the queue, you know, it, it's, it's like a foregone conclusion. <sighs> Look, I don't, I don't know whether 
I, I don't know what's happening there. I would have expected a bit more from Ferrari though in checking over the client and helping out Leclerc. Um, he, he, had, he had done his job, you know, sticking it on pole. Um, whether 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 that crash is intentional or not remains to be seen, but I really think they they should have helped him out a bit more. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Kunle the deciding vote on if that crash was intentional or not. I know we have got Richard saying no, it was an accident. Anik, you're saying it might be a bit dodgy. Kunle, what do you think? Um, can you guys hear me, Kunle? Firstly, yeah, we can hear you. Um, I think it was, I think it was too much of a risk to be on purpose, like. You don't crash your car a day to race day, you know, with the risk of your gearbox and your chassis being a complete mess, just so you can get pole position. Considering you've not, considering you've not even finished that race in the past, you know, whatever result he had gotten, if he had started the race, whatever result he had gotten, I'm sure he would have taken it regardless of where it finished, as long as it finished. So I don't think I don't think it did that on purpose to like keep the pole position or anything like that. So I think it, I think I find I find it weird that people think it did on purpose. If he had caused a yellow flag, then yeah, that would have been on purpose. Maybe if he had if he had gone wide, if he had done a Rosberg where you know he locked up into a corner and he just went wide and then yellow flags came out and no one is able to like improve in the third sector, you know, you go wide and then try to reverse on the track, then that's on purpose. You don't crash your car on purpose. You know, it's a Formula One car. You're but, risking your life in that car. Like, you know, he could he could have hurt himself. I don't think you would crash your car to hurt yourself or you'd crash your car to have damages on purpose. I think he was pushing and he might have just pushed too hard. I don't think he crashed that car on purpose. But he himself wasn't lighting it up, though. And he I'm sure he would have known that the, the guys behind him were lighting it up. Look, it's your home Anik, Grand Prix. Anik, I don't think Anik, I, I don't Anik. think he intended to damage the car as much as possible. But, he, Look, you know, he might have just, you know, looked to Anik, break the steering arm or something or just take out Anik, a wheel. But... Anik, Look, everyone says the guys behind were lighting it up. My thing is they can go purple, purple, yellow and still not be a pole. You know, we've seen we've seen way too many Q3s where people were going purple, purple, and then the last sector was a mess, or it was green, green, and then the last sector was a purple, and again, but so, but you know, no, but you I don't know that. Look, yeah, you, but you, you know like that if you start, right now, you, you're sounding like you're running an agenda right now. That's no, no, no. I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, 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 no. Because no, no, because 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 Leclerc's my guy. I got a lot of time for him. I'm just saying that, like, look, it's his home Grand Prix. You know that if you're at the head of the grid, when lights go out, there's a very good chance you're going to win. I'm, I'm sure I read it somewhere that Verstappen was two, three tenths up, and I'm yeah, sure Sainz was up I as well. And even Bottas was like, they, like they all knew, they all yeah. knew that if they could just see that yes. lap out, that Leclerc would have probably been up. fourth or fifth. Look, Anik, everybody was up. I think everybody was up, but I still think. In practically, excuse me, if I'm a driver, if I'm driving a Formula One car where I know the slightest of crashes could possibly put my life in danger, I'm not being in my car in purpose. 
I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he intentionally put in his life in danger. I'm saying that I think he just tried but to then, you know, lock off the session. If he tried to lock off the session, I feel like there are better places to lock off the session and not crash in the car. Like again, maybe he just doesn't have the lock of Monaco, but I don't think I don't think he did. I mean, everyone everyone would have their takes. I'm sure there will be a lot of there have been a lot of takes since yesterday, but if if would would I think he would lock off the session just so he doesn't start the race, considering what's at stake? Like, there's a lot at stake here. Like, yes, it's 25 points, but it's not like he's fighting for the championship or anything like that. All he's just gonna do is get a handshake from the king, and there's no passes this year, so it's not like he's gonna go turn up. So really, like, it's just it's just a home win. That's what it's just gonna be for him if he had started on board. So I don't think he would have locked off. I don't think he did that on purpose. That's just me. I, again, I'm not Charles. I don't know what's on his mind, but I don't think he did that on purpose. Regardless, the curse continues for Charles in um, Monaco. Three DNFs in a row, even including the FC1, that's four DNFs. It's, it's not looking good for him in his own races. Um, he stuck it on pole, so eight pole, but only two wins. But well, I'll talk about that another time about his conversion rate of polls because it's not looking too good at mm. all. You, you, he's um, yet to get a, a legal win or a legal poll, really. He, mean, he, he, has, yeah. he, has, he has doubled the amount of polls that Max has, by the way. I, just I mean, but you know, was that legal though? So, you know, you know what I mean? That was legal. You uh, sure? Uh, poll, he still got polls. Okay, okay, okay. You can say that. I, when you're dropping a second on Bottas, yeah, you can't over, like, the space of four weeks, you can't tell me that ain't sauce. Like, we can berate Bottas all we want. Like, if you're dropping a second on Bottas, that's when, you know, there's red flags need to come out. Do you know what I mean? That, no, that, I'm sorry, but no. That's just too sus. What, what? The numbers are there. I know you're, Anik, I know you're putting a lot of stock in polls and so on, but yeah, he's got more polls than Max, but Max has got 12 wins out of four polls. All, all legal. Like, his, his win was gifted. All legal all wins. Legal, by the way. His, his win was gifted. Yeah, his yeah was it was it was gifted to him. It was gifted to him today because we know about how Monaco works. If you're if you're if you're on pole, you usually convert that. Unless there's a, a fuck up in strategy. We'll talk about the fuck ups in strategy because there was a lot going on today. Um but yeah, um Leclerc had to get removed from P one. It was just basically an empty P one slot because he could not start. And uh Max Verstappen heading into Sandovot. Um, not a really good start, but he covered the space from Bottas behind him and managed to get away. And that was the end of Max Verstappen in this race. He was gone, long gone. I know Sainz was um, catching up with him a little bit later on into the race, but it seemed like a easy, easy one for him. But we'll talk about what happened actually during the race now with what happened with Mercedes. So, yes, um, Valtteri Bottas started off second. There was a lot going on in Mercedes strategy camp and tyre issues. And it was not a good look for just Mercedes on the whole today about how, how they conducted themselves in terms of their plans. Firstly, uh, they decided to pit Lewis Hamilton very, very, very early, which doesn't really make sense. He was in P... I think he started in P7 and was looking for the... Uh, P6, actually, because Leclerc wasn't starting, so... And he's looking to try to maybe do an undercut. I don't know if an undercut actually works on this track. There's always an overcut. So um, there was the first mistake there. And then there was the famed Bottas pit stop 
that we saw. Um, I'm going to come to you, um, Richard, on that. What did you think of Bottas's pit stop? Well, I, I was on the score live when it happened, and I just thought, you know, oh, it's just a simple error, like there's something wrong with the, the wheel gone or whatever, whatever. And then I seen, you know, they were still trying to get the wheel off, and I just thought, um, what's going on here? Like, why can't they get the wheel off? And I had, like, I think what I think it was either Brundle or Crofty saying that they seen like a um, metal fly off, like a uh, bit of metal fly off of the um, the wheel nut onto the floor. So once that happens, how can the wheel going to touch the wheel nut to take the wheel off? You know, the thing's done. Because once the um, pit stop guy put his hands up and say, look, it's done, I just knew, yeah, it's race over. It's race over. So this is not, you know, you know Mercedes is starting to get a bit formed with this, really, because, you know, we've seen this in Secure. We've seen this in, um, I don't know, all the recent races we've seen, stuff like this. But it's starting to pick up a bit of form where they're just fucking over the drivers, really, on their uh, pit stops. You know, when you compare this to somewhere like Red Bull, who are like constantly flawless, like you know, it's it's steady weird. I think Mercedes needs to, you know, instead of letting Red Bull, you know, busting it open for Red Bull, taking all their, you know, chief engineers and you know all stuff like that. You know, they've already they've already officially taken six, but they've already taken twenty, and offered another eighty as well. You no, know, often double, triple the salary. But you know, some people are a bit, you know, you know, patriotic to Mercedes for some reason. And others are a bit lower, like, oh, yeah, I can get, you know, triple my salary if I go 30 miles up the road and whatever, whatever. I think they need to start taking some Rebels pit stop guys because if they keep on doing this, it's just it's just embarrassing, really. Like, they, if they if Red Bull are putting pressure on them in the um, constructors, you know, you can't be, you know, failing to take off a fucking wheel nut to change a tyre. Like, that's just, you know, you know, 80, 15 points gone, what Bottas would have given you. And, you yeah, know, with Lewis, you couldn't get the stress race. Yeah. That, that, that's it. He had, you know, he had a podium in the bag basically, and that's just points just gone because you know you can't take a your right rear. I mean, your right front off. So, yeah, it was just it was just embarrassing, really, honestly. Yeah, I, you mentioned that there's been a bit of problem since the kit with this pit stop crew and how they're operating. It's not really looking that good at this moment in time with how they're operating. We've seen slow pit stops all year as well with Hamilton and Bottas, and it's cost them a bit and I'm saying Hamilton's carrying this team sometimes just because of these little mistakes here and now I, I don't know whether it's complacency whether they're looking at a job over Red Bull they're like oh so I've just had an offer in my email inbox I don't know what's going on but we've kind of seen the excellence I know there's a lot of criticism of Red Bull but when it comes to pit stops these guys are excellent they're doing sub two seconds every single time so there's no mistakes there and they're not going to make that the reason why they, they lose a race um, Anik what did you think of Mercedes today? Strategy, tyres, pit stops, the lot. Just, just everything. It was just a complete disaster from Mercedes. And 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 as as we alluded to on on the tweet, they've had a shocker since Sakir. Like it's Sakir, they they messed up the tyres completely. They even even in previous races, even in the last race, they they messed about with the strategy, and it was Lewis that saved them face. The same thing happened in Bahrain, first race of the season. It was Lewis that saved face for them. These guys are like not doing well at all. And, you know, to show that you're, you're world champions, you should need to start moving like, like you are. Um, I think um, with Lewis's um, strategy call, I felt that was completely, completely nonsensical. Like they said before the race that we're going to try something different with him. You bring him in early. 
when the overcut is quite clearly the better strategy to to give your driver, it was shocking. You know, they they brought in three they brought in three places down coming coming to Bottas's pit stop, like like you you, you know Mercedes on the YouTube channel have 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 a, a whole video dedicated to the job that the wheel nut guy does. Literally a whole two minute video dedicated to a guy. Did they watch their own video? On, putting on and putting off a, a wheel. They didn't even watch their own video. Is 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 actually laughable to be honest with you. And if they were somehow able to take that wheel off and put it back on, so sorry, and put the new one on, then Lewis would have been down in ninth. Like if that was a straight routine pit stop for Bottas, Lewis would have been down in ninth. So from him, I think you said he was fifth when they came into the pit when he came into the pit stops. Uh, who um, um, Lewis. Lewis Hamilton? Yeah, I think Lewis Hamilton was six. When six. He came in. Yeah, he would have yeah. six. He he, he was the first person pit. to pit. Yeah, he was the first person to pit. So if, if Bottas's pit stop was routine, after Lewis would have been down in ninth. That is embarrassing for world champions. You cannot pull off a strategy like that. Like this is not a track we can overtake. Like it just did not make sense to me. Lewis is one of the best drivers on the grid. He is more than capable of making those tires last. Someone somewhere must have said to call him in early. Even even I think he was surprised on the radio. He was you know we could quite clearly hear that you know he he was upset with with ever with with whatever had happened there in, in that round of pit stops. I think all round it was a stinker from Mercedes this weekend. And yeah, looking ahead to Baku, which is definitely a power heavy circuit, my favourite circuit on the calendar. Um, I'm expecting much better things from them. Honestly, it's funny as well when, when you think about. It. Oh, sorry, Richard. Go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. No, sorry. Just to um, tap in. Um, it's funny as well because the I seen on the F1 app there was 11 minute video of how they did their strategy in Spain. I see like the conversations going on in the background and whatnot, and it was very fascinating to see how they managed to pull that off. When you see the contrast of how they pulled off the master stroke, master stroke in Spain compared to Monaco, you think it was different gas. Like it doesn't make any any sense. Like how can you fuck it up? Like okay, Lewis has a bad quality, cool. So you think, oh okay, you you do you do the old court, you know, try to get him to like fifth or fourth or whatever. How is it that you want to bring him in so early and then you've messed them up and then you've messed up Bottas as well and just turns to a big big shit show? So it's but just a bit. Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to chime in here, Richard. Like you can watch that video and they put out all these strategic videos once the race is done and it makes it look as though you know they've got you know, Einstein's behind him that's, you know, running the show for them. Coming back to Barcelona, yeah, he was 1.8 seconds behind Verstappen. And Verstappen straight away had a four and a half second pit stop. It seemed logical to bring in Hamilton there and cover it off because he would have he would have performed the undercut perfectly. But, hmm. uh, sorry, he would have performed the overcut perfectly. But I just sometimes just don't get how, how this team works. I think even Kunle said it on the last pod. They try and be too clever. They feel as though they have you know, a big head to try and, you know, act too complacent sometimes. Move like Guardiola. Guardiola in the panel, yeah? Yeah, man. Overthinking it's, it. It's that goes. But are you, are you alluding to the fact that maybe Lewis Hamilton is covering up all these mistakes and all these strategy stuff just by his excellence? Alone? 100%. 100%. Because he would have, only Lewis would have been able to pull off hit that. What, I, I, I even called it the Lewis Hamilton strategy. Back in Barcelona, only Lewis Hamilton could have charge down Verstappen at, what, 1.2 seconds a lap and overtake him come the end of the race. I genuinely feel as though other drivers such as Bottas or 
yeah, or Bottas. Or I, I don't even know if Rosberg would have been able to do that. Like, I only think Hamilton's the only sort of guy that could actually pull that off for Mercedes. Again, to save face. Like, they haven't been moving like world champions since the start of the year. And they need to buck their ideas up, honestly, if, if, if they want to win this, because Red Bull are definitely there or thereabouts. For, for our listeners, I just wanted to break down what happened with Lewis Hamilton in terms of overcut and undercut, in case you just didn't understand what was going on. Lewis Hamilton was pitted on lap 29, and he was behind Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly lapped, uh, pitted in lap 30, and when um, Pierre Gasly came out, he was in front of Lewis Hamilton. That's how bad this strategy is. He, he, Lewis Hamilton was on the radio saying, why am I still behind this guy? What was the purpose of this? This undercut that we were trying to do. We didn't even achieve what we needed to achieve. They put him on hard, so he thought, let me go a bit slower, and so on and so on, and it didn't work. And then the lap after that, when Vettel pitted, he came out in front of both of them. And all Hamilton can do is see these two flying off in the distance having a little battle. It's, it's, it's actually disastrous strategy. Disastrous strategy. Disastrous uh, directing as well. Let me just call out the director on that, because we never even got to saw that. I had to see that after the race, what happened, because... I didn't get to see Vettel overtaking Gasly, which was a bit of a, a bit of a yeah. thinker from the director. I um, because I because I know someone who, who works with an F1. He told me that um, for Monaco, it wasn't the usual F1 directors. It was the it's the French that um took over. That's why they fucked up. You know, showing the, basically the only overtake of the race because it wasn't the usual guys taking it over. It was the French. So I don't know why they did that, but. Yeah, that's that's the reason for the fuck up, basically, because it was different broadcasters taking over for this race. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a stinker, to be fair. But yeah, including in that, we're going we're going to move on to the Vettel Roman. Oh, wait, hold on. Before you move on, to oh, Conley, you want to jump in? Go, go on. Yeah, before you move on to that, that strategy was so bad that Perez wasn't even anywhere close to Hamilton. Jumped Hamilton. Like, that was how bad that strategy was. Like, so, so the 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 radio was. I why did you make me save my tires to pull me in first? Which makes no sense. It doesn't make sense, honestly. And then that makes sense to 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 not put back on the fact that they went on a quality strategy that he didn't want to go on, which sort of messed up the Saturday. Just like, you've messed up Saturday. Okay, make it make up for it on Sunday. It's like, nah, bruh, we're going to mess up your Sunday too. And I was like, personally, I don't like the Grand Prix. I don't like my goal, but it just made me even, it just made it even worse. It's like, why am I even watching on my screen? Like, why am I watching these guys moving like GP2 or F2 or whatever they call these days? Why are they moving like F2 race strategists? Like, why are you doing schoolboys? Stupid, stupid. And this is not Mercedes's first time. They'd be doing this all the time. And and they get away with it because Lewis bails them out. If it's not putting him, if it's not putting him on the wrong type strategy, it's making the wrong call at the wrong time. Like Last week at Barcelona, Red Bull made that mistake right in front of them. Like, they saw them make that mistake. They could have pulled in Lewis immediately. 
and it would have jumped him and they wouldn't have needed him to like do all of the whole quality laps for like 20 laps straight away to pass it. But no, like I said, they have strong head. They have coconut head. They don't just like that team, man. And and the thing is, back in the days, it was easy when you know they had undoubtedly the fastest car. You know, they could do they could do some bullshit and get away with it. But now, it's different. You know, there's a real competition, and everyone needs to be in the A game, including the guys at the pit, including the guys in the pit, including the strategy guys. And I felt for Bottas today because, you know, this is not the first time they've messed up his pit stop. This happened to him in the past and, you know, it was a good opportunity for him to sort of close the gap on what would be possibly the runaway leaders of the championship this season. But, nah, it's like, no, we will not. We're not going to fix your will not properly. Oh, you're not even going to get it off. So you're just going to retire. Like, that's another minus 25 for him. That's two men of two. That's two, like, you know, that's two races where he's not finished. And possibly this one wasn't even anything. It, it didn't do anything wrong. All he did was just do a pit stop, you know, regular pit stop. 2.1, 2.2 seconds stationary. But Mercedes were like, nah, we're going to ruin your race. But yeah, let me let me stop speaking about them. Because, like, if I remember, it's just pissing me off more. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that race, yeah, and that, that, TV, that TV director, yeah, yeah, you need they need to throw that man into. I hope he doesn't have to swim. They need to chuck him into the swimming pool. Let him just go drown. Because how you, <laughs> how you moving? How you moving from like the overtake was going to happen right there, and then you're cutting over to Lance Stroll, who's going wide. Like, who the fuck cares about Lance Stroll apart from Lawrence Stroll? Like, no one gives a shit about Lance Stroll. They need to see him exceeding track limits, man. That's what they thought. We want to see Stroll uh, exceeding track limits. I don't know why that was going on today. There was bare track limits being exceeded. And I have no idea why. On Monaco. You bloody got high, high walls. I don't know what's happening there. Why everybody's exceeding track limits on turn 10. Um, some amateur hour stuff. But uh, we got through the race. We kept it, We kept awake and so on. And to talk about that... To, uh, that um, the opposite. This this is the opposite of what Mercedes strategy was. This was fantastic strategy by Vettel and by Aston Martin this weekend. I think this race in Monte Carlo kind of exposes who's really on it when it comes to strategy and who isn't. And Mercedes were showing the, they're showing their front today, man. They weren't playing about. They were, they were having a sting car, but Aston Martin kind of showed. Okay, we might not have the best car, but we're we're good on this strategy thing. And, and Vettel managed to get P five. All the way from P8, first points of the season, good points for the team, and uh, might be a little bit of a remontada. Um, Kunle, I'm going to come to you. What did you think of uh, Vettel's performance today and Aston Martin's performance? Um, you said it all to be fair. They did good. I mean, again, to be honest, yeah, with Monaco, you're either going to finish where you start or you're going to get a few places if your strategy is right. And Aston Martin got the strategy right today. You know, they got it right with Vettel, they got it right with Stroll. I think Stroll got points, they got double points today, right? You know, they put Stroll, they put Stroll along. Yeah. I think Stroll Stroll started um, P13 or something. P13 to P8 is a big jump in Monaco. Yeah, so that's a big jump. 
and and you know that wasn't really pace it was more strategy you know they made him go long he went extremely long at the start and by the time the gaps opened up you know with people falling out in front you know when when two people do not finish that's you know for anyone that's starting p11 p10 p p11 p12 p13 when you see two cars in front of you finishing you just need one decent strategy and you're getting good points and that's what they did and you know, shout out to shout out to them and Aston Martin this weekend. You know, they they did some good work and Seb Seb did some good work too. He he made the only pass of the race, basically the only overtake of the race. He did it. You know, basically some heritage right there. I trained Gasly like yeah, I'm still about, and that was it. Wasn't you know, he drove a controlled race. I don't think he was under pressure at any point once he got ahead of Gasly. He wasn't, and he wasn't threatening whoever was in front of him either. That would have been Perez, you know. He wasn't making inways on Perez. He wasn't getting threatened from behind. So it was just a little stroll in Monaco, waving at the waving at the boats, looking at the scenery, going in front of the casino like sixty times, and collecting the points. Nothing special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very good, very good weekend overall for Aston Martin in terms of points as well. P8 and P5 for Stroll and Vettel. I think they can go away happy with um, how the strategy worked and how the weekend worked, considering how bad the beginning of the season was for them. Um, but we're going to move on to Lando and Sainz. They reunited on the podium. Two different teammates, uh, ex-teammates. Now driving for a Ferrari and McLaren, they stuck they stuck it on um, P3 and P, P2, uh, respectively. And I think um, it was a good weekend overall. Anik, what did you think of, first of all, Lando's drive? What did you think of the oh, weekend? Brilliant drive, man. I've been saying it from, from the start of the year. He's really been impressing me this year. He's showing really what, what he can do in that McLaren. Um, I think he's even staking a claim to be the number one driver as well. I mean, to get a podium there, um, to hold it, hold that nerve around that Monaco street circuit. Brilliant. Um, very, very happy for, for Lando. Science as well, you know, P2. You know, he came in, what, he, he qualified P4, obviously. Um, he's, he's been showing a strong pace the whole weekend. I think even a couple of the sessions, he was quickest. So, yeah, really, really happy for them both. Um, yeah, lighting it up again, you know, the, the young blood is there. Um, they're, they're showing us what they're about. So, yeah, honestly, man, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, but I was, I was I was really impressed by both of their performances this weekend, especially Lando. Yeah, Lando keeps on putting it together on the weekends. He's he's, he's very he's Mr. Consistent, like we call him here in pit stop. He's always in and around the points. He's not playing games. He's always around the top five. He's doing what he needs to do for the team. He's kind of carrying them, but I don't know. As a McLaren fan, I don't know. He's Aussie teammates looking a bit, bit higgy right now. Looking a oh. bit nuts in oh. the midfield. It's, oh, it's, looking nuts, uh, it's, it's concerning me. It's concerning me. It's concerning me. Richard, what do you think of Danny Rick's performance today, man? Oh, the whole weekend. The whole... Boy, it was absolute shambles, wasn't it? Someone said on um, the Pit Stop uh, Twitter account that you get knocked out of Q2. And I thought, nah, surely you won't get knocked out of Q2. And luckily, you know, we did because it, it was just way off it. It's completely off it. And then I think he qualified. Was it P fourteen? Was it P fourteen? No. Where's where did he qualify? I can't remember. 
was P forty three. Yeah, somewhere bad anyway. So whatever. So uh, P twelve. Yeah. P twelve. Yeah, yeah, P twelve. So yeah, horrendous day, especially with you know, obviously with the goal delivery and whatnot. And uh, yeah. And you just thought, okay, maybe he could, you know, with strategy and whatnot, maybe he could make up a few places somehow. And that wasn't really the case, especially when you know Lando overtook him and even waved him, waved at him. Like he, <laughs> I, I can't yeah, let Lando I'm, don't I'm wave. <laughs> like he was just a yeah Lando in a bit. Don't be waving. <laughs> like I think, but I think I'm I'm gonna try and be a bit, you know, conspiracy theorist. I think like that was like a psychological move, really. People will say, oh yeah, it's banter. Da, 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 da. I think that's a psychological move on uh, Danny Rick to say, look. I know you're on this amount, this um, amount of pay. I know you know you might think you're the number one driver, but look, this is my team. I'm ready to show you up, even on somewhere that is you know as tight as Monaco, you know that sort of thing, really. Because you know it was, um, I think it was the Monaco press conference. They, one of the journalists asked a question on uh, Danny Victorlando to say, oh. Um, why is he like struggling or something like that? Whatever, whatever. And he basically just, you know, acted like he was getting interviewed by um, DJ Vlad. Just spilled out all the beans. Just basically said, yeah, uh, Danny Vick likes a car that's um, tailored to his driving style. If it's not, then he kind of like struggles on whatever, whatever sort of thing. Um, I think that's that's why he's not doing as well as perform basically. And yeah, that that sort of thing. So I was like, oh, okay. I don't, I don't think that's really true. Yeah. I don't agree with you going in a press conference and outing out your teammates' driving style and saying, no, this is this is why science is this and this is why Ricardo is that. Mm. You shouldn't really... You kind of have to just yeah. say, kind of like, answer the question, not, not really answer the question. I don't know where mm. his PR person was in that interview, but you shouldn't yeah. really talk like that or talk so openly about your teammate. The press conference. That was, that was yeah. nasty. That was nasty. Yeah, do you know? Do you nasty know what it is? Stuff, I think. With, I think with um, Lando, he, I think he's just a real, like, direct, honest guy. I think that's one. Sometimes I don't think he realizes where he's at, like, and you know how you know how people will analyze and whatnot. I think he just thought it was a nonchalant. Oh yeah, you know, Danny Rick likes a car that's tailored to him, you know, and science likes to be able to adapt sort of thing. I, I don't think he's really clicked on to something like that can be. Detrimental, out almost undermine his teammates in a way. As I said, I don't know if it's like a psychological thing because when McLaren signed Danny Rick and whatnot, there was all this hype behind him saying, Oh, yeah, they're going to be best mates, they're going to do loads of content, but Danny Rick's going to dunk all over Lando. And Lando's just meant to himself, oh, Okay, you just think I'm some sort of Twitch streamer, you know, you can't drive. All right, I'll, I'll show you Wagwan, basically. And look, he's got two podiums in five races already. Like, I think he's doubled his tally of podiums in five races, you know, more across, like, what he got in his whole career. Basically, you know, Danny Vicks, you know, ran around in 12th and, you know, struggling to get points and whatnot. So, yeah, as I said, it was, it was a great performance from Lando. He did what he needs to do, even if he did have, you know, and had two, two places that he didn't really have to work for. While, you know, Danny Vick, you know, he looks like he's still going to need more time, but... When you see people like Carlos, the way he's adapting and whatnot, and even Vettel now, the way he, he's adapting as well, he's starting to get a groove on as well. He doesn't really want to be, you know, out to like the, the big boys, if you will, or the, the big team. He doesn't really want to be one of them who's still struggling to get to grips with the car because, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just going to look peak for him, really, if he gets, you know, proper 
chounced on by Nonis, really. If you want to hear, listeners, viewers, if you want to hear the saddest radio of the year, listen to when they told um, Ricardo that Norris is lapping him and he needs to move out of the way. It's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. I felt upset for him. Um, Ricardo, uh, hopefully it gets all better for him. Um, I know Conley just wants to dunk on Ricardo. He's itching. I know he's itching. Nah, you can't. You don't, you don't break him, bro, man. You don't break him. <laughs> he sounds like a broken man. I thought. I thought but, bad. But okay, okay. I mean, now everyone, everyone's starting to see it. I thought you man was saying, let's give him some time. But if I'm gonna give, if I'm gonna give him time, then, but I see, I see, I see Carlos signs in a Ferrari, getting podiums in a slower car. You know. It's hard for me to give Ricardo time because I like Ricardo. Like I think he's a great, I think he's a brilliant driver. So I'm expecting, I'm expecting his brilliance to show up. This is the second time he's getting dunked on by Lando. Like I swear, this is the second time he's gonna get um lapped by Lando Norris. You know, it's a long season, but five races in, your teammate has lapped you twice, bruh. It's not looking not nice. Look. It's not a good look. It's not looking good. Yeah. So, but but we're giving him time. You can you. Uh, I know you gave it him to Monaco, right? <laughs> You've already given him the time. <laughs> yeah, man said he's done but already. He's already done. But yeah, here done. the rest he's of done. us, he's we're giving him time. Actually, oh my him, god! No, no. Okay. To be fair, I'm gonna give him until. Uh, I'll Baku. give him three more races. I'll give him three more races. I don't know wherever that is, okay. but after the next Austria, Austria. Okay, yeah. After Austria and it's still is it first Austria or second Austria? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay, do you know hey, it first doesn't one? Matter? First one. It doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter. If by second Austria is still getting these fugazi results, then no, Danny Rick maybe it might be time to shine that light bright. It's a fluorescent light, a white light. Not the blue one, not the yeah. not the yellow one. It's a white one. All right, expect to Kunle in the in in the building. He's going to be checking on um, Ricardo. It's, it's Ricardo. Watch. We're going to make our own segment for him. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to move on to the race winner. I know a lot of people don't want to talk about him. A certain gentleman called Anik. I'm going to ask him though. I'm going to make him squirm a little bit. I'm going to be like. Anik, what did you think of Max Verstappen's race today and weekend? How did it go? Bro, the highlight of Max Verstappen's weekend was him swearing for 10 seconds straight on the radio when he realised Leclerc pulled off a masterstroke. That was my highlight of the weekend was Max Verstappen. we move on to the next question now. <laughs> <laughs> this, um, listeners, um, if this is the first time no. Anik has actually become a, a, a panellist and not the host. This no, man hates no. Max Verstappen. Yeah. I'm just gonna put it out there. So I've got, I've got to do it. Yeah, so, so in, so in, in all seriousness, look, he, he had a clear track in front of him at the start. Of course, we saw what one. And I know Kunle referred to Vettel versus Gazi as an overtake. That was an overtake. That was just holding position when he came out of the pits. I mean, there was one overtake in the whole race. That that was Mick Schumacher or Mazepin. So when Max Verstappen's, you know, routinely gets away, holds off Bottas. Didn't take much effort to. And, you know, you just ride off into the distance, literally with what he'd done. Um, he managed to get the strategy right. Look, he won the race around the streets of Monaco. And as I said it already, with the cars that are much bigger this year, 
you only have a fine, fine margin of error. And when you're applying your trade, when you're applying your trade at the top of your game, you don't have any room for any error. So he's brought it home in P1. Strategy worked out fine for him. He knows himself. This is a routine race, race victory for him, especially when you start pole. I'm going to give him his flowers, but I'm not going to go above and beyond because he wasn't put under any pressure today. You know, the strategy, you know, Mercedes, I don't know what they were doing. They, they said that they were going to try something different with Hamilton. You were expecting something from Bottas. They didn't do that. He was under no pressure. He brought it home in P1. I'll give him his flowers, but I'm not going to go above and beyond today for Max. I, I, I hear you. You gave, you gave him flowers at least. You didn't, you didn't throw rocks at him. I appreciate you just giving even the smallest of kind words to Max Verstappen. He did what he needed to do. Look, if you're any driver of your soul, if you're a P1 on um, Monaco, you better win that race because who's going to overtake you? So he did what he needed to do. Got it home. Didn't make any mistakes. It's not crashed up in. He didn't crash <laughs> for no reason. He just took it home and just did what he needed to do. Twelfth uh, win in his career. Second win of the season. First time ever he's actually number one in the driver standings ever in his career. So um, I still think um, when Hamilton kicks into gear, he's just going to get number eight. It's not a worry. But uh, he's stamping his mark a little bit on F1 by getting a Monaco win. I know that's one of the ones that are sought after by most drivers to get that first Monaco win. And he's got that now. Uh, I think just good performance overall by Red Bull in terms of strategy. They've got P1, P4. Um, got from Perez from P8 all the way to P4. So the strategy worked. They needed what they need. They did what they needed to do, and now they're first in constructors as well. So alarm bells for Mercedes because I know Bottas. He might be the question mark for them later on down the line in the other races if Perez starts to kick into form as well. Um, I'll kind of move on. I, I know this ain't gonna be Annex driver today, but we put a poll out um, and um, for driver of the day because we kind of don't believe in the driver of the day, the fan vote. But this week, it actually married up. So we put a poll out. It was Max Verstappen, Seb Vettel, Antonio Giovinazzi, and Sergio Perez. Uh, with 41% of the vote, Seb Vettel won. Well-deserved. I think it is well-deserved to actually get in it on there. So we kind of agree with um, the actual fan vote. Um, Anik will never, ever vote for Max Verstappen. So I already know who you vote for. <laughs> to be driver of the day. Um, <laughs> But yeah, a big shout out to Antonio Giovinazzi. Good weekend, I think. Yeah, very, good, very, weekend. very good weekend. Yeah, he made it to Q3. Um, I thought, I thought it was all right. What did you say? Sorry, Colin? I voted for Giovinazzi. You voted for Giovinazzi. I think Giovinazzi did a good weekend. He got into Q3, got um, a point in the end, uh, beat his teammate Raikkonen. Uh, I think he's, 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 do you know what he's doing? He's fighting for his life, man. He's got he's got drivers down his neck take, trying yeah. to take his job, so he's was, fighting for his life was, right now. Was um, was in that race? He was he was right, there, right well, behind him. He, he, yeah, finished P eleven. Nobody the yeah. camera never ever went to him. Same yeah. way the camera yeah. never ever goes to Latifi, but here we are. Yeah, who is Latifi? <laughs> um, this is this is a running thing we do. Um, some of the members of Pitstop Fracker do not acknowledge Latifi's existence in um, in Formula One, and neither do Mazepin. But Mazepin beat Mick Schumacher. That kind of brings us to 
the Mazepin Award of who had a mayor today. And uh, unsurprisingly, 65% Mercedes. So that is Mercedes strategy, Mercedes pit crew, the whole of Mercedes had a stinker this weekend. Um, with Leclerc Ferrari, second place, Daniel Ricciardo third, Mick Schumacher fourth. Mick Schumacher actually, we put him on there. People are thinking, why we put Mick Schumacher on there? He let Mazepin beat him. We need to have an inquest right now. Because yeah. Schumacher having the mud. This this cannot be happening right now. This, we need Mazepin to finish every race last and we lost. We all took an L as a community. So, wait, I've got um, a question. So, I've got a question now. Go on. You know the way Monaco is like, uh, it's a, you know, it's a test of driver ability. Is this result like an indication that Mazepin might be a better driver than Mick? I'm uh, just, I, I, I mean, not really? No, no, no. no. Really. He's smoking him every race. Mick is smoking him every race. So, what happened today? If it, no, what if happened? there was opportunities to overtake Mick, would have had him in his race. I, 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 I literally have no idea how Mazepin overtook him or got ahead of him. It must have been through strategy because, from no, what Mick I saw, he didn't overtake him on track. It, Mick, it wasn't Mick one of the last, early though. laps. Um, it was last, on. I can't remember the term. Mick started fair. last because Mick started last. He caused five hundred thousand. He caused half a million pounds damage to his car in what was it qualifying or practice. That's why he started last, because he couldn't qualify. And he overtook Mazepin. And he overtook Mazepin straight away. But in, if you're overtaking anybody in Monte Carlo, I'm giving you, I'm giving you your flowers. I don't mm. care. I don't care if you're Mazepin. So I'm I, I, I definitely not going to give him the L of the day. I think collectively yeah. we can all agree that it's Mercedes, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mercedes. 100%. Yeah. And, 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 and as I alluded to earlier, they, they've stunk it up big time this weekend. And it's, it's, it's becoming a worrying occurrence as to how regular this is happening for Mercedes. It's very worrying. If they want to go ahead and show Red Bull that they should be second or third, they need to seriously buck their ideas up quick because they're really not covering themselves in glory at the moment. I'm being harsh on my guys at the moment. I have to be. Lewis was not happy on the radio. Anybody go listen to Lewis radios on YouTube. He was not happy with this at all. From the beginning, he was just fuming about it. Um, I'm gonna, do you know what? I, I'll, I'll say Mercedes, but I'm gonna give people a little bit of information. Yeah. Um, who was with Leclerc this weekend? Was it not Netflix? That is the L of the weekend. Yeah. Because now next year, when Drive to Survive comes out, all we're gonna see is Leclerc having a stinker. Crashing it into the wall, getting on pole, and the Monogasque and AKUHD. It was a masterstroke. It was a masterstroke until his team let him down. You can't blame Leclerc for that. One of the smallest violin in the world. We're gonna smoke. We're smoking on that Casino Royale pack this weekend. That the Casino Royale pack getting a Rizzi, yeah. Because I'm not. I'm not thinking he's better than Max right now at all. But we want to put this in his own home, his own backyard, you know, in front of babes and boats. Max has never done that. Boy, Max has never done that. Can't, can't drive down his own high street, man. But Anik 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 believes that he's going to win the world drivers' title before Max Verstappen. Yeah, you will. Good luck to you, mate. We'll bring you he back. Will. Yeah, yeah. winning an legal engine. Yeah, of course you will. Yeah. <laughs> you anyways, uh, 
<laughs> you move the fuel flow meter just up a bit, you know what I mean? Tip more fuel and yeah, get another 50 or so, of course. I mean, when Lewis is putting, you know, activating DRS, I still can't get past you. Of course, you can win the World Championship. Makes perfect sense. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, 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 we'll see when these allegations about the Red Bull engine comes out. Then we'll see. We'll see. Okay. We'll pick it up then, yeah? Yeah. But anyways, thank you, everybody. That is, brings us to an end of Pit Stop Tracker this week. We'll catch you next week with another action-packed episode. Thank you, Richard, Conley, Anik. And we'll see you next week. Peace. 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 Right. Take care, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.